The Deal with Yield is a podcast series covering the issues that matter most in crop production. Tune in to episodes on iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. Welcome to The Deal with Yield with our host, Joel Whipperforth, Director of eBusiness for Winfield United, and John Zook, Agronomist for Winfield United. John, what should farmers take into consideration when thinking ahead to crop rotations for next season? So thinking ahead to crop rotations, I think there's a lot of things that need to be considered. Primarily, you know, I go from the agronomy standpoint, the mother nature thing. So could it be weeds? Could it be insects? Could it be fertility? Maybe weather conditions, diseases, all those sorts of things I think need to be taken into consideration when you're thinking about which crop to go into next year. Joel, what's your advice for farmers choosing not to rotate crops? So certainly uh, in my home geography of southern Minnesota, a strict corn followed by snow rotation leaves us with some ample opportunities for problems next year with diseases, dealing with residue, and those sort of things. My favorite pastime, John, is actually procrastination. I like to delay my decisions as long as possible. And so some of the things that you'll have to make decisions on right away is, well, if I'm going to rotate next year and I'm going to do corn on corn, you probably have to make some tillage considerations this fall that would change if you were going to do no-till soybeans versus you're probably going to work your corn stalks under. So yeah, I think tillage might be a a bigger play. And that also goes into factor of controlling diseases, you know, is making sure that residue is out of the way to get a proper seed bed, but also making sure some of those soil-borne or residue-borne diseases like white mold, potentially SDS, that are in the soybean plant, if you are going beans next year, beans on beans and not going into corn, that those are taken care of as well. Yeah, and certainly the commodity prices are a long ways out from what we think the spring crop will be. And so we always get into this situation when commodity prices are depressed and we're looking at what we should do for next year, there is this you know, thought out there, well, beans don't take as much of a, an investment. Some people choose not to fertilize soybeans, which I'm not really sure what they think the soybeans come from in that situation. But there are certain places where they try to take a year off from expenses, and that sometimes leads to the beans on beans conversation. And, and like John said, kind of our hierarchy of information goes along the line of disease resistance, goes along the lines of herbicide herbicide resistance and trying to make decisions on there. I think there's some decisions that we want to make right away. And certainly if you know that you want to rotate out of having a similar crop, I think that's an easy decision for you to make. I know that when you're deciding to go corn on soybeans, one thing that forces the decision right away is whether or not you're going to put down fall nitrogen. So John, what are some considerations around the crop rotation of should I apply my fall nitrogen now or should I wait until spring? I think what you have to look at is, especially with fall nitrogen and here in Minnesota, that's really a hot topic. And by having fall and out, and in some cases you can't, but in other cases or other areas you can, by having fall and out, now you have put yourself into, you are going to go corn next year. And then how much risk do you have up front? So how much is it stabilized? How much could be lost from the environment? And then are you planning on coming back next year to assess that risk or, or monitor that on how to make those decisions 
going forward. One of the things, uh, not to go back on this bean-on-bean rotation conversation, but I think it's becoming more of a real thing, as you stated, Joel, with commodity prices. There's some research from the University of Wisconsin that says one-year beans-on-beans, so that's a bean-on-bean rotation. There's a 5% yield reduction associated with that. If you go beans-on-beans-on-beans, it's about a 12% yield reduction. So several years of beans do show significant reductions as far as yield. Now, me as an agronomist go back to, well, where does that yield reduction coming from? Because I know, for example, soybean cyst nematode, I can have 30% yield loss without seeing a visual symptom anywhere in the field. So I go, okay, big yield loss, but here this is small yield losses. And really what I attribute it to, I mean, is all the pests that are in soybeans and by pests, I mean diseases particularly, and then weeds as well, hard to control weeds. So soybean cyst nematode, white mold, sudden death syndrome, which is Fusarium, and then Phytophthora and Pythium, not to mention some of the simple diseases that we can overcome with run rotation or a variety to selection. Once we get into multiple years of beans on beans, some of the pressures of those pests become so prevalent that it's hard to overcome and we have a lot of the yield loss because of that. Here's the deal, John. You got to be able to look at a long-term plan of what your crop rotation is. Iowa State has a, a really handy uh, crop budget calculator that I've used in the past to help prove this point out that allows you to people to do just what you just said. If my first year APH on soybeans is 50 bushels, the next year I've got to pencil that in at 45, and then following year maybe penciling that in at 35 to 40. And you can run that profitability scenario with different rotation mixes over a three to five year period that really when you're talking about crop rotation, you've got to give the long look to ROI. So I agree 100%. And I think not only to mention the pests that can hinder the the yield loss in soybeans, but one of the ways you can fight this rotation conversation and win it for the farmer is putting yourself into a practice of putting fertilizer down for every crop. And I think that's a really good way to become way more flexible. And when I say fertilizer, I mean, we kind of already talked about the nitrogen thing. Once you do fall in, you're going into corn, but the P and K thing are real for soybeans and for corn and by putting it down for every crop it allows you to assess your risk a few different ways which meaning you can go into any crop you want and you probably won't see yield loss because of fertility reasons and then also you can flex the fertilizer if you go in two years of fertilizer or some cases three or four all of a sudden joel do you remember how big your crop was three years ago and did you put enough fertilizer down to what you stole out of there i don't have that good of a memory yeah so a lot of cases i run into that whereas if you're fertilizing every year, you can say, okay, I put enough fertilizer on for 200 bushel corn, but I removed 240. Now let's put that back to where the spots we need it. So when I go back into soybeans, I'm ready set for fertility and I'm not on this four year rotation of, oh, I get my soil samples back and now I'm scrambling to find money to put on fertilizer after I thought I was doing okay for the last four years. So John, you said 240 bushel field removal. Tell me, you, you do a lot of combine rides in the fall. What's the highest, most realistic yield you've ever seen on a yield monitor? And not when they move the hydrostat forward real fast. Probably, I mean, it would be safe to say I have not seen over 300, but I've seen probably 280s, 290s, and I know that we definitely have some answer plots where we have hybrids replicated that are in that high 200 mark as well. So in that 290 spot, maybe it was a five-acre area in the field, in your fertilizer recommendation for the following year, did you put back 290 bushels worth of removal? 
why all of a sudden are you using me as being the guy that recommends the fertilizer on that acre? Well, I just find it an interesting conversation. When people talk about yield removal, they oftentimes level out at a field level. But the precision ag technologies, and we talk about you know precision use of fertilizer, were really designed around being able to put fertilizer back where you found it. Just like the thousands of times where I never put dad's hammer back and he would come back and say, put things back where you found it. That's one of the opportunities when people are thinking through their rotations. Fertilizing every year allows you to put stuff back where you found it from a fertilizer perspective. And with that fertility conversation, I always go to is where's the yield coming from, Joel? And it's coming from the plants. And a lot of times we go response to nitrogen, response to population, but that's more of that broad play on hybrid situation. But response to population is going to allow us to then respond of, hey, if we got a 280 bushel spot or if we got a 180 bushel spot, now we can respond to the fertility that we have out there as well. So John, if I'm standing in my cornfield this fall, I guess I got two questions for you. If it's an early calendar harvest versus a late calendar harvest, knowing that this year in particular, we're way ahead on GDUs in a lot of areas, it could potentially be an early harvest. Do you have any inkling that on an early harvest, we can rotate to corn on corn easier because we get a little bit of extra breakdown of residue in the fall? So I think that depends on which region you're in. Here in Minnesota, where we're, like you said, corn on snow, most of the time that that extra 15, 20 days before our frost or our snowfall probably isn't going to give us much residue breakdown just because after that soil temperature gets below 50 degrees, most of the time those bacteria aren't active anymore and they're not rapidly breaking down. In other cases, if we do get an Indian summer, so they call it, where we do have an extra month and that soil temperature still says, you know, I'd like to have it I know if it's above 70 that we're almost 100% active, I know that we could be breaking some down. So that could definitely maybe give you some acres that would be better rotated into corn next year because of residue situations. What about on the opposite end of the spectrum where maybe I get in there a little bit late and the corn's down there at 15%, which I really like because then I don't have to pay drying costs. But one of the things that happens a lot of times is you lose a little bit from shelling. If I'm going corn on corn there next year, what are my considerations for volunteer corn? Well, first off, corn harvested at 15%, I've never seen lose a little bit. I've Most of the time when we're picking corn and it's 15%, some of that shell loss or that head chatter is pretty extreme when that butt of the ear hits the deck plate. A lot of kernels are going through and we definitely experience significant volunteer corn the next year. Some ways around that, I mean, if you know you're in a corn on corn rotation, we have definitely a few different trait options available to us. So that'd be rotating in from a smart stacks and then taking advantage of the liberty to control some of that volunteer corn back and forth between the traits and the different trait packages that probably be the best way. The other ways would be more or less mechanical. Were there some lessons learned, interesting developments in fields in 2018 in areas that were so wet in regards to rotation, such as volunteer corn, uh, weeds, that kind of thing? So what we found in some of these wetter areas, or pothole America, as we call it, is this year we had a really wet year. We had some drownouts, but we had some fields that might kind of look like corn now, but then in the 
potholes, we got soybeans because that's what went in and got replanted. How might that affect rotation? I mean, maybe to be determined next year to see what that could be. But some of the disease inoculum out there, I guess at least myself speaking for soybeans this year from southern Minnesota perspective, I've seen more Phytophthora this year than I have ever seen, which then goes to that in-season damping off that we probably didn't necessarily miss because of the warm, wet conditions that we've had. So disease pressure is definitely out there and to be determined next year of how that might affect our crop rotation. You've been listening to The Deal with Yield with Joel Whipperforth, Director of eBusiness for Winfield United and John Zook, Agronomist for Winfield United. For additional episodes of The Deal with Yield, visit iTunes and thedealwithyield.com. 